And welcome back to the Northland Sports Page. Hour number two kicks off in just a moment. Paul Allen will join us. The intro song there is Fly As Me. We picked that one for PA for a good reason. You knew he was flying yesterday, and I didn't even have to tell you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I got a phone call from my little sister, and she goes, I think Paul Allen's on the airplane. And I said, I think you're probably right. Make sure you go say hi. Um, but let's talk about uh, our sponsors. Speaking Brian. of going to say hi, go Abs- to these places. Absolutely. And if you want to spend a little bit of money today, how about you start at Mount Royal Bottle Shop? Uh, or Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies. If you're in town playing hockey and you're listening to us, that's the place to go. Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance. Arola Architecture Studio. Hoops Brewing. OAR Holdings. Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing. Sammy's Pizza and the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, Blackwater right downtown, and Tavern on the Hill. Again, so grateful for our great sponsors. So grateful for PA again as well. He joins us from Colorado. PA, good morning. You're in Colorado because you pulled off a pretty good birthday surprise yesterday. Walk us through it. A lot of us probably saw it on Twitter. I know Dave and I both did. And good morning. And uh, good morning. Yeah, I met um, and I met Dave's sister Anne. Um, as we landed in Denver. So that um, uh, that was really cool, and it was cool to uh, share how much I enjoy uh, coming on the show with you guys uh, whenever you have me on. And, um, yeah, my daughter, uh, Nicole, goes to the University of Colorado Boulder, and um, yesterday was her 21st birthday. So, um, so I flew to Denver and then rented a car and went to Boulder and surprised her with some flowers and, um, and a piece of jewelry, and, um, and I put it on Twitter, um, so people can see it. And then, you know, the, the main reason I put it on Twitter is from an inspirational standpoint, you know, just, just to let people know, you know, how much you possibly can miss somebody. And on the other side of it, you know, how a 21 a year old young lady not only can miss her dad, but, you know, it, it, it's not easy. I don't, you know, I don't like, I didn't go to college. All right. I went to, I went to junior college, Pasadena city college for five years. So I don't know if you guys have left the nest or had people leave the nest, but you know, a, a, a young woman leaving her home and moving a thousand miles away at age eighteen ain't easy, you know. And that's uh, and then you just continue to mature, prefer uh, scholastically and personally, and you know, it's it's tough, man. It's just I miss her every single day. Uh, my house is not the same without her. Uh, honestly, I've changed as a person certain ways not having her around. And um, some good, some bad. And um, it was just great to see her. So uh, thanks for acknowledging that. Absolutely. That's outstanding. I can attest that for my first two years of college, I moved 250 miles away and I came scrambling back home. So I give Coley a ton of credit because some of us are good at it and some of us aren't. Seemed like she's doing very well. Speaking of being good at something, you've been a good inspiration to young broadcasters or young broadcaster types. We talk about JJ on this show a lot as in Justin Jefferson. Talk about another youngster who goes by JJ on the Twitter machine who's pretty awesome. Yeah, this kid, at, I think it's at JJ Viking or Vikings, one of the two. And um, he's a, a 13-year-old kid who lives in Massachusetts. And, um, you know, he puts together uh, analytical YouTube videos um, talking about the Minnesota Vikings. And, and he lived here for a little bit. I think it was Roseville he lived in and, you know, maybe um, uh, Little Canada or something like that. Uh, but he he's an enterprising young man who I had on my radio show earlier in the week. And, you know, it's just very it, it's it's I don't want to say out of the ordinary, but it, it is unique to see somebody that age have that initiative and wherewithal 
to start their own YouTube channel. Um, I got a chance to meet his mom through having him on my radio show. And so I kind of, you know, learned more about what she does to monitor the comments and, you know, the, uh, the direct messages and things like that, because that's very important, obviously, a lot of, you know, different people in the world. Right. And, you know, when, when he talks, you know, he talks in like 2024 business talk, you know, he's putting out content and, and this and analytics and stuff like that. So I'm very impressed with the young man and uh, I'm here to help him with whatever he needs. Yeah, it was outstanding, Dave. I wanted to mention that to PA because I wanted to watch your face as I did, because I know one of your favorite things in your day job in broadcasting and in all things that you do is watch kids develop and pursue their dreams. And PA this week was really kind of harboring that for this young man. Go ahead. Yeah, that's, that is, uh, I mean, let's face it. I get to do what I do. I get paid to do it, which is great, but I, I get to do what I do. Um, PA, I think the one thing that Brian, I want to bring up about his trip to Boulder is that when you show people that you care about, that you're, that they're worth your time, like going out there, that wasn't just a, you know, trip around the corner. PA had to schedule, had to give away probably a gig or two to make sure he was there. And it shows more than just, you know, that you're, it doesn't, it shows more than you're important. It shows that I'm willing to give up all kinds of things for you. And still makes time for us. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and most importantly for the child, you know, you can FaceTime, text, call, and, and you, it's, you know, helicopter parenting and or the admonishing or teaching or praising, you know, it's between a father and a daughter or a, a parent and a child. You know, it's certain things are going to have to happen uh, if you're going to keep things responsible. But it's increasingly more difficult when you're a thousand miles away. And I'm not, you know, the overriding, co-opting kind of parent in the first place. Probably should have been more at a younger age. But nevertheless, nothing I can do about that now. Um, but just gen- genuinely showing your children you love them. I mean, it you, you can't you can't put a percentage on how important it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's impossible. But I just know it's exponentially important because it's authentic. And when when they're that these are eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two year old kids, man, and in in an age uh, of late teens or twenty one, that's completely antithetical to the mid eighties when, when I was, you know, walking in her shoes. So the world is different and, and the approaches taken are different, but one thing has been a common thread since the first word in the Bible was written. And, and that's the word love. And that's free. It's easy to show. It, It requires vulnerability, you know, which, which is hard for some people to get to, but as you saw in that video, or as I share with you guys, you know, when we, when we chat uh, occasionally about different things is, is love is something that just never can leave uh, between a parent and their child. And, and I think you saw that in the video. Yeah. It's real interesting. PA, if you don't show the love and you don't give that kind of love, somebody's gonna, and you just don't know who that somebody else is. Right. Um, Boy, you put that nicely. Well done. Uh, PA, when you're looking at the playoffs, I'm going to switch it hardcore to football. I thought you were going to go to Jordan. You go with love real quick. No, I'm, I'm going to go, uh, this one. What happened to Jordan love? Nothing yet. (laughs) I was going to ask you what you think will happen tonight. (laughs) When you're looking at these playoff teams, um, you're around the Vikings all the time. What, Mm -hmm. which playoff team or maybe which position or something on these playoffs teams that, that you think, man, that's what we need to do at the Vikes to get to the level they're at. Is there a player or a team or something that you say, yep, that's the one? 
Yeah, you know, every every year the Vikings aren't in the playoffs, or if they lose in the first game, I, I think that way. And and it's interesting that that you said that because it's like it's team envy, and and it's not envy in a way where you lose sleep over it, but. You know, Chris Jones for the Kansas City Chiefs. It would be great to have somebody like that. It would be great to have a, a defensive lineman who can really, really wreak havoc on a game. And and we can go position for position and be like uh, Joe Tooney for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, he was a free agent into this year. And, and you know, if you believe the Vikings were in the market to find guards, and I do, because if they weren't, they wouldn't have traded Ezra Cleveland and signed Dalton Reisner. Well, having a guy like Joe Tooney, you know, that that would have been great. But it's a huge price tag. And, you know, we're, we've lived in the land of, of, you know, having nickels and dimes for free agency. And, you know, that's one challenging thing that this regime is trying to get out of. So they can have free agency money and, and also do a good job in the draft or a better job that's been done in the recent past. So, so I look at it that way, too. But it really comes back to one thing for me, man, and it's that quarterback spot. I mean, look, look at look at all the teams left in the postseason. Correct me if I'm wrong here. You got Brock Purdy, a seventh rounder, but he he's playing for the most revered system and the most well respected offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan with the best players: McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and um, and Trent Williams, the left tackle. So. That's a perfect storm there for a seventh-round pick. The rest of the quarterbacks are first-rounders. I mean, Lamar, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jordan Love, and so on and so on. I'm pretty sure they're all first-rounders. And some of them, uh, you, you traded up to get them, like Mahomes. So now I'm looking at this draft coming up, and I know three quarterbacks are probably going to go in the top three picks. And and I'm beginning to believe, you know, what, what we've heard for months now, that this quarterback draft could be the deepest in the history of the NFL. So I'm not saying it has to be a first round quarterback, but I'm not, you know, I'm also not saying this is not the year for the Vikings to beg, borrow, steal, do whatever it takes to get up and get one of those three quarterbacks. So you can have that spot solidified. And and it's it's just been proven when you have the right quarterback, other things fix themselves, whether it's players wanting to come here, players wanting to stay. Um, um, the quarterback is able to possess the ball longer to protect the defense, things like that. So I keep thinking a lot about that. Uh, if Cousins were to be the quarterback for the team next year, I'm cool with that too uh, because I do believe he has a good two, three, four left in him, and he knows the offense inside and out, and I like the offense a lot with Kirk at the helm. Um, but, but that is off Dave's question. I mean, that is a fact. Uh, of the eight left, seven of them have first-round quarterbacks. And, and you need that to, to ascend. No question about that. So the question becomes this. You talked about team envy, and however you want to define it, you did it beautifully, but however you want to define it, most of this fan base has had team envy to our rivals to the East for a while. What about doing what they've done twice? Take a round one quarterback, let him sit behind your stud for a year or two, and then go. Do you see that panning out? Well, uh, yeah. That's a great question um, because that's the preferred modus operandi. But the question is, can you do it that way? I mean, can can you can you give a quarterback twenty eight to forty million over two or three years and have that guy? And is the guy going to be cool waiting? 
You know what I mean? Uh, because not everybody is like Aaron or like Jordan. Right. And they're looking at Brett or Aaron in front of them, and they're like, well, I really have no choice here. So, I mean, uh, this guy, these, these are all of famers. Um, and, 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 you know, Kirk, Kirk's incredibly good, but I've never heard the HOF tag tied to him. And, and not that I care if it would bug or impact Kirk, because it shouldn't, but how does that factor into it, too? Then you think about the crowd. You know, if you if 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 the veteran quarterback makes some mistakes in in a home game early in the season, you know, does a chance start for the new guy, and then all of a sudden that becomes a little bit of a distraction. Specifically in Minnesota, a habit state where when they get on one thing, they don't get off it. And when Kirk when Kirk got that guaranteed three year deal, there are thousands of people who are never going to change their opinion of how he played in 2018, even though he's been lights out the last couple of years. So I'm with you. I like that. Doesn't mean, you know, the first round quarterback uh, necessarily has to be one, two, three. You know, maybe you can trade up to the end of the uh, first round and get somebody. But the quarterback situation here has, uh, it just needs to be analyzed specifically in this draft. And having them both, I think, is difficult because if, if you, if you trade a first this year and a first next year and a couple of seconds and whatever else to get up and get, say, the LSU kid. Well, then you're going to need that money you were going to pay Kirk or you were going to pay Daniil or you were going to pay somebody else. You're going to need that money for J.J., for Darisaw, and then to bring players in to fortify the mix because you're not going to have picks. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's very difficult to analyze right now. And quite honestly, I'm struggling with it. Hey, P.A., I'm going to follow that up, though, real quick. And this isn't, I don't think, as much analyzation as it is thought process. If you were to get a quarterback like Daniels from LSU, who's who's a 50-50 run throw guy, is Kirk the right guy to mentor? Because Kirk's a pocket passer. I mean, you see what I'm saying? One, the skill sets are so different. Is is right. Kirk the right kind of guy? Yeah, but see, but Dave, you got to you, you get the the word mentoring. I mean, it it is a a wide ranging word when it comes to the NFL. Because, like, you know, if Kirk Cousins, it's not like he's going to have Jason over to his house every Tuesday to watch film. Maybe he will. Now, that's true mentoring. But these quarterbacks have so much to, to focus on during the course of the year, not only to hold their jobs but help move the ball, that, you know, the, the long-form mentoring that we would know it as, like, regular people, well, that just never takes place anywhere. Like, like Brett wasn't spending extended hours with Rodgers. Right. Rodgers probably didn't spend extended hours with Love. Um, what's Kirk going to do with Dobbs? I mean, Kirk was around the facility, but what's he going to do with Josh Dobbs? Josh, you know, it, it kind of proved itself out that he can't throw, but he can run. So to your point, I see what you're saying, uh, but when you get into the regular season, the backup quarterback, who, who would be Daniels or whomever, well, they're running the scout team. So they're playing the role of the adversary all week. So then after certain practices, specifically on Fridays, You'll see the quarterback's coach and the assistant quarterback's coach like working with Jaron Hall for an hour, hour and change. That's what they would do with Daniels or whomever. But how how much can you truly raise them without them actually getting game reps and stuff? I think that's a great point. The other side of the ball is kind of getting neglected here because the quarterback position runs the sport and the Vikings are littered with questions about it. But I want to go to that other side of the ball. Brian Flores did great things with limited personnel. Is that personnel about to get more limited in the sense, do you believe we've seen the last of Hitman and or Daniil in a Viking uniform? Uh, wonderful questions. I know, I know they both want to play, continue playing. 
um, I know that they both want to play for the Vikings. And I know it's authentic because I know them relationship-wise on that level because they just, I've, they've been here. I've been with them since they got here. And, and they're honest that way. Um, so I do believe that that is authentic. Now, when it comes to what Harrison Smith, you know, put on film nearing the end of the year, I think he had a shoulder injury or something like that. You know, they're going to analyze all facets of that because I think even Harrison would concede he's right at the end. I mean, it's close. If it's not, if it's not now, maybe it's next year or whatever. That's not the case with Daniil. Now, Daniil's going to cost a lot. Um, so that's, that's the pick your poison part of the equation, man. I mean, you pay the quarterback. What can you do on the defensive side? You trade a bunch of assets and don't re-sign Kirk, but you get the quarterback who who hopefully works. And you know, but but now you don't have picks to fortify the lifeblood of the team. You know, I of all those options and everything, uh, when it comes to the last games with Vikings, I don't know. Um, I, I hope not. But you know, it, it, the the pendulum. The way it's going to swing and the way these proverbial dominoes are going to fall, you know, it's like if Kirk gets signed, okay, can you really re-sign Daniil? Probably not. If if Kirk is not signed, you know, like by the combine and we're getting close to free agency, well, then he's probably not going to be here next year. Maybe you sign Daniil. Maybe you bring in another defensive player, and then now you got these draft picks to fortify. Um, but but I, I don't think there's any disputing whether you're a lay fan or whether you're the voice of the Vikings or a coach is from a defensive line standpoint, you know, being able to rush without having to blitz all the time is what the best teams do, and that's what we need. I like that. So I'm going to close with this because I wish we had time for about a 1,000 more questions because I feel like the theme of the Vikings offseason is that there are about a 1,000 questions, and that's where I'm going. You've been doing this for the better part of two decades. Every offseason has question marks about what is next year going to look like those questions get emphasized or spotlighted when you don't make the playoffs. But in your couple of decades with this team, can you remember an off season where you go, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? This feels like the off season of the most uncertainty in a while. Well, it's one of the stranger that I can remember, but why wouldn't it be? I mean, with this regime, the, the, the 13 and five, just look at the wins. I mean, strangest, uh, most ethereal uh, 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 wins and um, energetic-type wins that, that you'll see in a season because there were a lot of them. Now, this year, it went the other way, and it was just strange how much they were dropping the ball. It was strange that a Caleb Evans couldn't bring in an interception right. and the arms of a charger, and, oh, by the way, on that play, they win the game. So, I mean, there were things like that. So that was strange, too. So, I mean, it plays into the common thread of what's been in front of us uh, under the Quasi and Kevin O'Connell regime. You know, but, but tonight, uh, t- tonight is a very important night for Minnesota Vikings football. And, and why I put it like that is with Jordan Love. Now, he, he has arm talent, and he throws from his back foot way too much. And, and from Dan Orlovsky to other people that, that I talk to or follow on Twitter, a lot of people have been talking about that this week. And this is the wrong team to throw off your back foot against in that building on the road. But if, like I said on my show this week, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm supremely excited about tonight's game, not for a win or lose standpoint, but how does my quarterback handle it? Because if he handles this thing tonight, well, like say he goes lights out and say they win and he has a lot to do with it. Okay. Well, that's a big problem because the Jordan love that I know 
Um, when, when he lost to the Vikings at Lambeau Field, it was one of the single worst quarterback performances I can recall in all the games that I've called because Jordan never had a chance against the Flores defense. The next time around, he shredded it. Okay, well, what truly did he shred? He, he shredded a team at the end of the season that knew it probably wasn't making the playoffs, had gone through a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of injuries, and he caught the team at the right time. So then last game, he caught a counterfeit team, jumped them, and continued to look good. That's fantastic. He, he gets credit for that. These guys tonight, this team's no joke. And they will embarrass you and front-run you and, and pound you if, if you let them. And then he'd have to play from behind. And we'll really get to see how he can orchestrate that. So my gut feeling is, is I, I think Jordan's good. I don't think he's as good as their fan base thinks he is. I agree. And the overall personnel of their team, I, I think, still leaves a lot to be desired. But to, to uh, land the plane and put a bow on this whole thing in common thread fashion, if you have the right quarterback for years, it fixes a lot of problems. And they may have the right quarterback. Amen, my friend. I love the counterfeit Cowboys. I took that away as well. And speaking of landing the plane, let's hope yours lands safely. Safe travels. Thanks for joining us again. Yep. God bless you guys. Call anytime. Thanks, PA. Absolutely. That's our guy, PA. Maybe his Twitter video will go viral. Speaking of viral, we'll talk to somebody whose videos have gone very viral. Stick around. We'll be right back. One of my very favorite Aerosmith songs, and there are a bundle of them. Dream On, one of their great jams, if you will, but Jam maybe doesn't fit because it's Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, the Northland Sports Page. Dave, we've been talking about this song all week, and we're about to tell you why in a couple minutes. But the first thing you said is, I don't think of this song and really get up and start dancing, but it's a good thing that some Minnesotans certainly did. Absolutely. This is my class song. So, I mean, it is. Uh, it has never struck me as as that, And and but boy, oh boy, uh, did it ever turn out that way. Absolutely, and good luck finding somebody who has not seen the University of Minnesota dance team do their routine to this song because all walks of life, all media circuits seem to be talking about it. We're going to get to too. Absolutely, and it sounds like we're going to get to talk to kind of an upcoming media star. Absolutely. She's been making the rounds this morning, and she made time for her uncle. I appreciate that. Joining us now is Aubrey Lesty from the University of Minnesota dance team. Aubrey, thanks for taking the Hi, time. Everyone. Tell us a little bit about just how many places you've been doing media interviews and assignments, if you will, in the past, oh, say, 12 hours or so, and good morning. Yeah, good morning. It's been it's been a whirlwind uh, the past week. Um, yeah, yesterday I was with uh, CBS, WCCO. This morning I was with CARE 11, and now I'm with you guys. Um, and then I'm doing Twin Cities Live on Monday. It's it's crazy. I never thought we would get this amount of recognition, but we're so grateful for it. So well, it's been so exciting. Absolutely. Let's talk about that just to start, because the amount of recognition you're getting is deserved, and many should argue that it's been deserved for a while. This is fun, but it's long overdue, don't you think, for the sport in general? Yeah, I think it's it's well-deserved. I think this sport has just been so important to me, and I know been so important to so many. Um, so it's really cool to notice that it's getting more recognition, even from ESPN and things like that. Just really getting noticed as a sport um, means the world to not only me, but I know the future of dance in in general. Absolutely. So first off, just to recap, if people don't know, the one that's gone viral is the Dream On routine. That was in the jazz category where the University of Minnesota took second. Ohio State took the championship. Then in the palm category, flip the script. Ohio State second. Minnesota wins the title. 
Aubrey, that's your third after the double natty last year. But I want to ask a very generic sports question, but then qualify it because I hate when reporters say, how are you feeling? I think it's the dumbest sports question. But how do you feel about this? Because you won twice a year ago. You won once this time, but everybody's talking about the second place routine. Do you guys feel like you won twice again? Because holy smokes, the notoriety that's followed. Yeah, it's it's so rewarding um, to see the reaction that we got. Not that we ever do it for a reaction um, from, you know, the dance world and not only the dance world, but the non-dance world, right? It's it's cool that we reach so many people. Um, it feels like we won in that way. Uh, really, the only way that matters to us is to make people feel something and to move people. And then using the song was just kind of such a rewarding rewarding for that. Um, so yeah, it, it's been, it's been crazy to just get the trophy for Palm, which was, which was amazing, but it is cool to reach so many people with jazz as well. Dave, go ahead. I know you're chomping at your microphone. Go ahead. Well, I, I do have one question and, and it goes to, I guess, both the first place and the second place. Um, uh, at what point did you say to yourself, holy cow, we're doing this? Like when you were in the when you were in the middle of practicing for for the jazz routine, when you saw it live, when you were in the middle of it, when you saw the video, at what point did you say, oh, my gosh? I think it was we try as much as we can um, in Nashville to stay off of social media just because we don't want anything really messing with us um, in that sort of mindset. But I, I will say after prelims, we had a lot of uh, family members and team teammates from past years that have like told us they're like have you been seeing what people have been saying about you and we were just kind of like what do you mean and then I think it was really after prelims on Friday that we were like wow this is this is making an impact on a lot of people and we were just so excited to continue to compete it um, and just to try and push further and further for more push farther than we thought we could Um, it was it was really cool to see how many people were actually paying attention Um, so yeah I would say that's when I really noticed Wow, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree. The impact continues to go long after the competition is over. Now, Aubrey, I'm going to ask you a technique question, and I'm going to apologize in advance if I botch this because I dance about as well as I run, which frankly means I don't. But with basketball, with football, we talk about, you know, how did you do this shot? How did you make this throw? How did you make this catch? Watching the Dream On routine, the aerials into the turns all synchronized seems to have everybody going, Wait a minute, I, I can't do one or two of those, and you guys did a high number. When it comes to strength and conditioning and technique, how hard was that? And kind of similar to Dave's question, in the moment when you pulled it off, is there part of you going, oh, thank goodness, we can continue now? <laughs> yeah, it was, I will say that's probably the hardest skill in my dance career that I've ever had to um, execute and put on a competition floor. Um, it took a lot of work, uh, a lot of practicing, a lot of, we call it partner cleaning, a lot of us watching each other and being like, hey, I think if you shifted this, that might be easier to make this happen. Um, A lot of technical skill involved in that, um, in that skill. So it took a lot of practice, a lot of fight. Uh, Yes, once I got done with that skill and that dance, I was like, oh, I'm home free now. I can, I can keep going. Um, But definitely felt confident enough in that skill going down to nationals because of the practice that we put in beforehand. Absolutely. We are talking with Aubrey Lesty, three-time national champion with the Gopher Dance Team. Aubrey is a senior, so I want to ask a little bit about that, too, because a couple of things. You've certainly left a legacy with the impact that this competition weekend last weekend has had. 
And what about the fact that your last competitive dance as a gopher was a title winning one? That has to be pretty special. Yeah, it, it really is. I wouldn't have wanted to go out any other way. Um, it's it's bittersweet for sure. I know my, my fourth year body is like, you're done. But my heart is like, oh, if we could just do it one more time. But it's definitely bittersweet. Um, I'll still be involved in the in the U of M dance world. My sister is an upcoming freshman um, coming up on the team. So I will still be everyone's biggest cheerleader, be so involved. So I'm excited for that side of things to to come up soon. Well, look at you just feeding me my next question because you segued perfectly because every senior, frankly, every athlete probably talks at some point about leaving a legacy and what that means. For you, it has to be extra special because you're going to pass it down. Your younger sister is going to be a freshman on the team next year. What does that mean in terms of passing that torch? Because I know how close you guys are. I know how talented she is. You may have left a tough act to follow, but you left pretty cool people to emulate as well. Yeah, it that means everything to me. Uh, more than any trophy, more than any ring ever, is just the fact that I get to keep watching her on a team that I've loved so much and that I've learned so much from. And I'm just, like, so pumped for her to get to experience everything that I've gotten to experience and more. Um, we keep pushing for more for the program, so I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, she's going to continue on the legacy, and I have the utmost trust in her and the team to continue pushing the dance industry and just loving dance as, as one love, as we always say. Speaking of loving the sport, you're coaching and you're actually coaching today at the high school level, Maple Grove's in action. You're an assistant there. I asked you this last year and I have to ask it again. When you've been back to the high school practices and the kids know, Hey, I'm in the presence of a national champion. And, and now they basically know that they're in the presence of a viral star. Are they treating you any differently? Are they picking your brain anymore about how are you doing this time and time again? It's funny. They they treat me just as normal, which I, I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, they are asking me a little bit more about how did you get that skill? How, how what, what went into the practices? What went into the, the skills involved to do that? Um, which has been really fun to just try and teach and coach them throughout those skills. Um, but, yeah, definitely not treating me any different. They're great kids. They, they always have been, so. <laughs> but Brian, the one thing I can almost promise is there's a whole group of high school uh, girls now that know Aerosmith and can sing a little bit of Dream On that they right. couldn't do a couple weeks ago. Well, I was going to ask that a little bit tongue in cheek too, Aubrey, because you're a dancer and you've danced studio dance, you've danced, you know, dance teams galore, and you've had a lot of numbers in your time. And by that, I mean musical numbers. There are songs that automatically produce memories. Dream On is pretty well etched now. I, I joked with you earlier this week that it is in our family anyway. But you're never going to hear that song and feel the same way again, are you? No, never. Um, I've always loved that song. I love the movie Miracle, and that song just kind of reminds me of that movie. And I will now forever think about that dance uh, that we performed and, and the reactions to it and how much it meant to me. And I'll, I'll seriously never look at that song or hear it the same way ever again. I'm actually intrigued by how much of the general public now, because of what's happened this That's week, may question. do the exact no. same thing. Aubrey, I want to talk a little bit about something you put on TikTok because I watched the U of M dance team TikTok account and I saw a comment of yours that said, this moment will be difficult to top in life. And it kind of goes back to my very first question. You win two natties a year ago, you win one this year. Was it a different kind of special as a senior? And again, the moment of bonding, the moment of excitement when you guys did win and even the second place routine, getting so much fanfare. Did this just feel different results aside? Yes. Um, it felt, it felt 
so natural and so bonded as a team this year. Not that we haven't been in the past. We have. But this year, it's just like we kind of knew we were coming with something special um, because it was the jazz dance was a 20 year tribute to our uh, alumni that did the dream on jazz in 2004. And that was their first championship for jazz. So we kind of like recreated it, kind of spruced it spruced it up and made it our own. Um, And we knew we were coming with that. And we were so excited to have the alumni support on our backs coming to nationals. Uh, So we knew we had something a little bit different this year. So we were just so excited to share that. And we're glad the rest of the world uh, liked it as well. So it it did feel different this year and in the best way possible. Really interested to know, have you had any contact with anybody from Ohio State? Because here's the national champion who's just got completely obliterated by their second place. They're pretty overshadowed by the runner-up. Anybody waving over there and saying, yeah, that's cool and everything, but uh, we won the whole thing. I will say we have had contact with them because we just really respect one another's craft. Um, They brought something different than we did, and it was just as as amazing. Um, So we really respect one another, and we've just been very congratulatory towards each other because – uh, we took home the Palm National Championship and they took home the Jazz National Championship. So we just always will have that mutual respect for one another. Um, but it ha- it's been fun to like see their comments on our stuff. We comment on their stuff. Um, it's been just a really nice mutual com- competitor mindset. So I want to piggyback off that, seeing comments, seeing reactions, because I can't believe I didn't say this earlier. I talked about what your feelings will be when you hear Dream On for the rest of your life. How about Aerosmith themselves posting about you? Did that really have your jaw agape? I think it had to. Yeah, that that is like the craziest experience ever. I We never expected our uh, choreography and dance to get to that level of recognition. Um, it was it was mind blowing, to say the least. I don't think any of my teammates or my coaches or program will ever forget uh, Aerosmith reposting us because they're just such an iconic band. Um, so for them to repost us was just it meant the world and. And we really, I don't think anyone will be able to top that, honestly. It was, it was it was an honor to be reposted by them. Yeah, that's pretty tough. If you have any pull, please do me a favor and see if they can reschedule their St. Paul appearance as soon as possible. I was supposed to go last <laughs> fall, but I digress. Aubrey, I want to ask a couple more questions because you talked about how the kids at Maple Grove are starting to ask, you know, how did you do this? What did it take to acquire that skill? You do have coaches that certainly help with that. And we're going to talk to Allie Mackner, the University of Minnesota Duluth coach, next week. But there are some people that probably don't know dance super well that say, well, what does a coach do except for wish you luck and do what we practice? You know, there's there's not as much in-game strategy, so to speak. You're not you're not calling timeouts. You're not substituting people in. But talk about what your coaches, what your strength and conditioning coaches mean to this team. Our coaches mean everything to this team. Um, they put in so much time and so much effort to making these dances what they are. Um, our strength coach he would come in every practice and kind of study what we were doing in each dance and try and incorporate workouts individually for the people who had to do different kinds of skills within the dances, which was, it was really cool to come back to lift. And he had different workouts for everybody based on the dance moves that we were doing. Um, So he was just so involved with the strength process, which, which really helped us with uh, the skills at nationals because they, they got conditioned way faster than maybe they would have had we not had that strength coach. Um, and then our two coaches, uh, Amanda Gaines, our head coach, and Tia Tumbleson, our assistant coach, was were just throughout the process, like, so helpful, so involved. Um, really, they, they truly help the cleaning process. And what cleaning means in the dance world is we're making sure at every point in time in both dances, 
we are doing the exact same move at the exact same time with the exact same angle. Um, and they're truly our eyes and our, and our ears in, in that process. Um, so they, they really play such a huge role in, in the process of choreographing, not only choreographing, but like executing the routine. So. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about your strength and conditioning coach. He's got some fanfare in the metro area, not just for you guys, but he's affiliated with the Minnesota Timberwolves too, correct? Yes, he is the Minnesota Timberwolves strength trainer as well, which is which is such an honor to be trained by the same uh, coach. No question about that. I've I've been uh, putting a bug in your ear to see if I can get a Timberwolves strength and conditioning coach as a guest. So again, I'll give you some homework after today, perhaps. But I want to close with one more question because watching that routine looks exhausting for those of us who don't do it. I get the feeling maybe it is exhausting even for those of you that do. I go again with the generic how are you feeling question because I think about when you maintain a busy schedule, sometimes when you actually allow yourself to stop, your body starts to realize how much you put it through and you start to exhaust, you start to get sick at times. You're still kind of riding cloud nine with these media circuits, but how are you feeling as a person, as a student? Because what you've done in the past week are what a lot of us do in a year or more. Yeah, uh, it's been it's it's been different for sure coming back and kind of having that like, all right, we're back to reality um, mentality. But it's it my body definitely is feeling it. But um, my mind is so excited and so grateful for every experience that we got to to have. Um, all right. So my last question is going to be this, and it's probably been my last question to you. Every time you've been on the show, I think you're up to four or five now, but we talk about leaving a legacy. You've got the special connection because you've got a sister that you're specifically leaving it for. Whether you want to give the advice specifically to her or just for any dancer out there, everybody now, like it or not, Aubrey Lesti is going to want to emulate you in this dance world. What would you tell them as best advice to, to pull off a career at least similar to yours? Because we all know you got to be your own person. There isn't going to be another you. My best advice is to just keep going, um, keep the passion burning and just keep going. I think there's no, the great thing about dance is there's, there's really no limit. Um, there's no, there's no limit to how good you can get, how, how many reps you can have, how many dances you can compete. Um, and I think that has just driven me because you can never be, you can never be perfect in dance, um, and being okay with that and just keep pushing for more. Um, yeah, I would just say, keep going. Um, as long as that passion is there. Aubrey Lesti, I'm going to sneak in one more question. I know you're pursuing careers, but you have this broadcast thing down. What about being a dance broadcast commentator? Is that in Ooh, your future? Nice. Hey, that, that would be pretty fun. That would be, that would be a really fun job. I, I would take that. All right, <laughs> there sure. you go. Well, if you need a broadcasting recommendation, you know where you can get one. Aubrey, I tell you all the time, I tell my guests that I love them when they're done. It means something different when I say it to you. I love you and thank you for doing this again. Love you. Thank you. Bye. All right. That is three-time national champion Aubrey Lesti, the Minnesota time. Golden Gophers, the viral sensation. Yeah, that that video, honestly, if you haven't watched it, take three minutes out of your day and go and go look it up because if you like the Aerosmith song, it's cool. If you like dance, it's cool. So that covers just about everybody. And if go you like Minnesota it. winning, it's cool because they did that as well. We got a winner to close the show. Vency Glenn is next. Stick around. We will be right back. And welcome back to the Northland Sports Page. Final segment of a winners-worthy second hour PA. Aubrey Lesti of the University of Minnesota and Vincey Glenn, 
who, by the way, Dave, you encourage people to watch that video if they can. Vincey and I were watching it simultaneously yesterday. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's nice to be able to do that and then visit about it. Absolutely. He enjoyed the dance videos as well. I know he's enjoying the playoffs. We'll get to him shortly. We'll see how quick you can whip through those sponsors first. Oh, I can whip through sponsors. Uh, we'll start with Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance. Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, the Blackwoods Group, including locations, Tavern on the Hill, Blackwater right downtown, at Two Harbors, at Proctor, and at London Road, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Krause Heating and Cooling, your H-Carrier HVAC authorized dealer, OAR Holdings, Hoops Brewing, and the OG, Arola Architecture Studio. How's that? Absolutely. That was well done. Speaking of the OG, Arola Architecture Studio, he brings drawing lines each and every week. And we draw lines with Vincey Glenn again this morning. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Not bad. Not bad. Just finished up a segment on that dance video I shared with you yesterday. You said yourself you were pretty impressed and enjoyed it. I love dances. I Man, I love to dance myself personally. Been injured the last few years, haven't done it. But I just love seeing people active and that can dance. It's, it's awesome to me. Absolutely. The notoriety they're getting and the variety of people that are watching the video has really been fun. But now it's time to hone in on football. You and I were joking yesterday that the rest of my family has dance talent. I certainly do not. But you were quick to remind me, yeah, but you know football. So let's talk about that. I want to start with (laughs) Kirby Joseph because he's a good safety without question. He's a safety that's actions are being questioned. The quote-unquote dirty hits. Offensive players have said yes. Defensive players have said no. You're a defensive standout of days gone by. What do you say about this? Man, here's the problem, and this is just my opinion. The game happens so fast that it's like you tell a dog to go sick somebody, go get them. And then halfway to getting there, and he's starting to bite. He goes, hey, man, you, you, you can't bite the legs. You can't bite the arms. Stay away from the neck area. Just focus around the wrist area. How do you do that? How do you do that? You can't. It's like telling a wrestler, don't do this move. Only this way you can do it under these circumstances. You can't do that. When guys throw bad footballs, the receiver's going to go get it. You are predetermined as a defensive back or as a defensive player. How are you going to get a guy when he's five to six yards away from you? You've already decided angles, what angles of pursuit are coming to help you and all that. You can see that. So once you start your move and he does or he does this, then it's game off. And so now, prime example, you see Josh Allen run up the middle of the field of a quarterback and never get touched for 52 yards because he fake slid. Guys, right. oh, he's going to slide. Right. He don't slide. He continues to run up the middle 52 yards. Are you kidding me? And it's bad angles. It's bad tackling because these guys don't know when to hit and when not to hit. So they throw chicken wings and all that. It's taken away from the game when you're always sitting there that this guy is going it toward his head. Nobody wants to break their neck. Nobody intentionally uses their helmet to head, butt, or tackle a guy. It's just reactionary football, and that's what people don't understand. There are guys that take hits and know you shouldn't hit a guy like that. Okay, that happens on occasion. But for 80% of the players that play, man, they're just trying to get after the ball carrier, period, that you taught in Pop Warner. Dave, I don't even have an argument for that because everything Vincey just said has been things that I've wanted to say since this subject came up. I think specific to Kirby Joseph, it's easy to complain because he ended TJ Hawkinson's season he certainly put Tyler Higby in a bad spot. Looks like another ACL potential tear. So 
if injuries happen, does a hit automatically become dirty? No. And I love Vency's take that the NFL puts so many restrictions on what you can do. Defensive players are guessing. And if they guess wrong, it's not necessarily their fault. Well, and wide open, you can't guess. Like, I mean, it's great on a slow motion to say, oh, he could have done this. That Well, you know what? He's not going slow motion in real life. They need to put, like, like bullseyes on certain places where you can or cannot hit somebody. Um, hey, Vency, I got a question for you. Uh, Mike McCarthy's mm-hmm. back in Dallas. And the funny thing that I was noticing before he was, it was announced, he had all these players uh, going to bat for him. So when players vouch for a, co- a coach who's maybe in, maybe out, is that honest or is it CYA? Uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm going to say it's honest. Some people have great relationships with coaches and they like the way the coach treats them as individuals. And that's first and foremost for any player. How does he treat me as an individual? And if it's respect and dignity and admiration and he's trying to encourage me to be a better player, here's the problem. Coaches coach players play. They just don't have the players that know how to play in playoff time. They blew a lot of coverages. A lot of guys are hyped, looking for single records. And you, you get caught up into the marketing of the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. but when everybody in the league is gunning for you. So you have to play on Sunday. They gun for uh, Lawrence Taylor every week, but they couldn't stop him. They gun for Jerry Rice. They couldn't stop him. So guys are gunning for you. And how you respond on the, on the weekends, and especially in the playoffs, it's totally up to you. It has nothing to do with coach. You're not adding new schematics. You might add one or two wrinkles or play or some a game, but nothing has changed in your offense or your defensive schematics to make you play poorly. That's just not going out and seizing the moment and the opportunity you have, which you work for for months. That's why it's so disappointing. I agree with you. You talked about getting caught up in the marketing of the Dallas Cowboys. I want to go back to a text you sent me on Sunday because I reached out to you as Green Bay was obliterating Dallas. And I said, Vency, come on the show with me Saturday and please assure me that the Packers aren't going to sneak another Super Bowl victory out of being a bottom seed in the playoffs. And you were quick to say that there's no way they get by the Niners. And you think part of it is Green Bay could still be riding high off basically decapitating the Cowboys. You've had a few more days to think about that. What do you think happens tonight in a pretty good ball game, at least on paper? I think San Francisco is going to whoop up on them. This is why I say that. When you're a team and you slip into the playoffs and you don't know which kind of team will show up from week to week, you're the same team that gave up 30 against the Panthers and things like that. So you get in the playoffs, you go down to Dallas, you want to play hard. Dallas blows coverage after coverage. Gap assignment after gap assignment. You find a little niche where your running game is working like that. That's fine. Your head coach takes the starters out with six and a half, six minutes and 42 seconds left in the game as if we won. We, we're, we're, the, we're the best in the business. Let's take our, our hats off and enjoy this victory. And now you're in a dogfight the last few minutes because they have a chance to get back in the game. That's coaching. That's not being prepared. That's taking advantage of opportunities. And like I say, Dallas did not show up. Dallas still scored 30-some points, even though they were blown out. Think about that. And you're telling me you're blowing a team out and you dominate the game and you still give up 30-some points. Give up 30-some points to uh, San Francisco, it's going to be 50, and you won't score 15. And that's the reality of football. You're traveling on the road again, and you're kind of living that false hype like, yeah, we man, look here. San Francisco ain't no joke. One, they're a physical football team. 
you're going to get beat up and you better be ready to hit and tackle and all of the above. It's not going to be a showcase throwing the ball up and down the field like Dallas was. And so they don't have the mentality because they have a, young, a lot of young players and I still not sold on a coach that they can go in there and, and beat a team like San Francisco, but that's why they play the game. We'll see. Vincey, you are amazing. We need more time. Let's make more time for you next week. By then, we will know our conference championship game participants. Look forward to breaking it down with you. Nobody knows ball like you do. Yep, thanks, Vincey. I appreciate you guys. Take care. All right, have a wonderful day. That's 2-5. Our guy, Vincey Glenn. What a show. It was fun. I even got texts along the way. Loving the entire show today. That's what it's all about. That's a plus. Thank you, Dave Hoops. Thank you, PA. Thank you, Aubrey Lesty. Thank you, Vincey Glenn. Thank you, Dave Cook. I'm nothing without you. Well, thank you, Brian. It was great. Thank our advertisers. I mean, they are the ones that help get us where we need to get. All right. Sponsors, listeners, we love the Northland. Hopefully you'll love us back next Saturday. We'll be back then. Have a good one. See you.